Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. That's right. And it's week 15-1-5. NFL Dream Preview on a hot streak. And I've got my Wise Guy Roundtable to my left. Making a statement. Brad Powers. A lot of red hair. Beard. And a statement. He knows the NFL. To my right, the two-time Super Contest champion. Showtime! Woo! We've got Tampa Bay, the Wise Guys Darlings, and Detroit. Tampa, a three-point road favorite. Nobody likes this game. Fez, what do you got? I'm on the total here, RJ. I'm on under the 47, and I like the under. And it's all about, I can make a case that both teams are overvalued on offense. Let's start with Tampa Bay. Jameis Winston, he is an overs dream because he throws so many interceptions. He's a turnover machine, and he goes deep. So he, All right, so you have the under. I have the under. Okay. And so Jameis Winston has a problem with his thumb. I don't know if it's broken. He has a thumb injury, so he's been limited in practice. And, quote, he's unable to grip the football in practice, or he has, he has not gripped the football in practice, although he's gone through drills. I think that's a major uh, who, deal. Who, Usually when you quote something, you actually attribute who said it. Roto World. Okay. And who said it? Roto World never says anything. They aggregate. Yes. So who said it? I do not know. Well, I think that's important because, and here's why. If it came from the team, I don't trust it at all. Mm. Here's the basic premise. If someone, if, if the team tells you something that could be, uh, that it, not could be is clearly negative about a player that still could play. I don't believe it mm, that's because why would they, you got to ask yourself, why would they say it all? They're not responsible for more than the injury report. Who would gave it? It doesn't attribute it. No, it does for sure. Look at the bottom left there. It's going to say, it's going to have a link. Rick Stroud on Twitter. All right. So click through. Amazing. He couldn't find that. Do you see <laughs> We got our new producer, and oh, the link was wrong. Okay, no worries. And he's a, a uh, his name's Matt. Very, you'll get to know Matt. He's not gonna like the amount of attention he gets, but you know, the <laughs> he's shaking his head. But he's got a TV background, and uh, was just in esports, and you know, so very, you know, esports. I think especially with Twitch and all that, the way they're producing. As an industry quality uh, video on a budget, a lot of skills there we're going to be leveraging because we're going to produce uh, so much more video. But one of our things we're thinking about is having a Fezic computer cam. <laughs> that imagine just a little, ca- like a webcam level camera, just that's framing his computer from above, probably. And then you at different points where we got video and he's going and you see him typing. Well, you'll be able to see <laughs> how many times he can't get the, 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 the K is capital. Like it takes a third time to get the, oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be, Matt doesn't see it yet. Do you see it? All right. It's funny. This is a guy, you know, he's like 40. He's been producing stuff for like 15 years or whatever. He's, he's in the control room going, I see it. When he's got his mic. I see it. Ah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Where? What's this mic, dude? <laughs> it's just so far away. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. <laughs> oh Lordy, man, I'm telling you a story. It's like four feet away. <laughs> He's like, I got to roll on this chair. Do you know how much pressure that puts on my knees? So, Fez, what do we figure out? Oh, you know, oh. now this is interesting. What would you do now if you had to find him? Cool. I'm going to query this guy's name. Query where? On Twitter, Rick Strip. Now, that actually is surprisingly logical. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say the odd? I mean, that's really the only. I mean, the, I guess in theory, you wouldn't have to do it on Twitter. You could do it on Google. I think Google or Twitter would have been about the same. So, what do you think the odds of he. Now, I think he defaults to Google for everything. So, the odds of him saying Twitter here as a search. I would have put it far to, less than plus 300. Oh, yeah. I was thinking more 10 to 1. <laughs> and what? Bruce Arians reported he has a little bitty fracture in his thumb. little bitty ah. itty fracture in his thumb, but the, he's expected to play through it. Ah. One guy that's not going to so, play. So, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why would you want to talk about another guy right now? Seriously. Like, explain that mm-hmm. to me. Because we just spent three or four minutes trying to get to the bottom of something. We got to the bottom of it, but before we actually articulate what we think the conclusion is, your response was what? To talk about another subject? No, we'll get to that. No, no, I know, but why did you? Because honestly, what we can't do, and this is something, guys, I've been telling you we're working so hard on. And by the way, Steve just had, his, I think, his best show, actually, ever on Straight Out of Vegas. I mean, we're talking, you know, 18 months of shows. He was strong today. His prep is strong as crap couple wrong conclusions, I think, but strong. What we're trying to do is not be right. We want to get the right answer. And it's just human nature to want to be right. And, Steve, wouldn't you agree that the more interesting on-topic thing right now might be what's the conclusion from that coming from Bruce Arians? Yes. Which would be what? The conclusion would be I think we're looking at a free roll here, RJ, because we don't know how injured Winston is. Now, ideally, we're playing the under. He's so injured he wouldn't play. That's unlikely. But it could happen. Ryan Griffin's the backup, totally unproven. Well, I'd have the opposite conclusion. Wow, that's your conclusion? What's your conclusion, Brad? Well, if you're by listening to you, RJ, anytime. Well, do you agree with that? No, I don't actually. I mean, I can't bet Tampa Bay under. No, 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 no. But it's a different thing, though. Is let's talk. It's a handicapping concept. Is if the bad news is coming from a team, but it doesn't involve a player being out. Because once he's out, there's no reason not to. Yeah, I think he's better than what the team's letting off. It just doesn't make sense to me. And 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 if they're if they're obligated to report something, then they might shade it. Yep. But if they offer it up. If your girlfriend, your wife, your partner, whatever, comes back and they never tell you much detail about, you know, yeah. they're out with their friends, but somehow they like have this elaborate story that has like unusual detail, bad sign. Yep. You see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I see what you're so saying. So why, like, explain to me just in a perfect world, or, or all things equal might be the way to say it. Why would Bruce Arians offer up details about how injured? Winston is, that makes it seem like he's w- injured worse than you might think. Well, I don't know if he makes it. He's just said a broken a li- hand. He said a little bitty itty fracture, so it sounds so like he's trying to minimize fra- it. He's minimizing it by telling you that he has a fracture. Is he obligated or could he say questionable hand? 
No, this is not a tough question. I'm not sure what the, on the industry. It's industry, real simple. You uh, got to give all you got to give is the body part. Yeah. And the four things. So, so he didn't know, one, have to offer that up. No, but he did. He did. And that's what you're betting on. Oh, hey, ooh. here we go. No, why are you trying to stop me from bet? No, you're going to explain your handicap further. I just bet you. Go ahead. All right. Well, the guy is going to be throwing too. His number one wide receiver, Mike Evans, is definitely out. Oh, the market is this breaking new? Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. We got we got something for this, Steve. Hold on. World premiere. Everyone is aware that Mike oh. Evans is out. He <laughs> caught a 62-yard touchdown pass, only one catch, and he pulled his hammy doing so. So he is. So when? At what point in the game was that? First half. First half. At what point of the game was it? I don't know if it's the second quarter or the first quarter. I think it was the second quarter. I'm not 100 percent sure. And how, did that game go over or under? Went way over. Winston threw. But for, they, I bet they slowed way down the second half. Well, right? a, no, it didn't. Not at all. Okay. Go ahead. Godwin is a really good number two wide receiver, so he's effectively a number one. So yeah. yeah, but that doesn't take away the injury being important because I'm not saying it precludes it because obviously we're seeing with Juju this year with the Steelers, when you're the two, it's so much nicer. Oh, and when they get to double team you or whatever, right? Yes. So, but I mean, Evans has missed. Well, he was he had the flu earlier in the year where he really was limited in, in I think two games, if I recall. You know what point it was, right? Yeah, end of the first quarter, 106 left, first quarter. So he said it was almost short, it was the second, but the first. All right. No, I know you weren't short. It just seems like you always err towards what's going to be beneficial to your argument. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, what is the argument at this case, at this point? Well, I'm talking about Tampa Bay's offense. It, it's not going to be as prolific if Winston's not completely 100% and yeah, their number one wide receiver is out. But I don't think the market is... Re- when did he hurt his hand? During the game. First quarter or second quarter? I do not know. I, I mean, that has to be a known thing, right? McKenzie, look that up. All right. You got it? When did he When did he supposedly hurt his hand? It might be like the famous Dan, Mr. Daniel Jones. Yeah. There's no, there's no, no video. No, no video. I do know this. If you look at the Detroit Lions, they are completely... So at this point, you've given up on... Ta- so really, your handicap is Evans is important. But you think the market is accounting for him probably fairly. I don't think they're quite accounting for it un- enough, especially... And I don't think they're accounting for the Winston injury at all because I think everyone expects Winston to play. So, so what do you think the total would have been? Like, like I look at a total of 47... And it's not jumping out at me as like that's an that's exactly average this year, right? Exactly. Okay. So look at who they're playing. They're playing Detroit. So Detroit, you think about Detroit, they're well, I mean, an over team, we right? We do this real simple. Is Brad, if you don't mind, just look up the uh, just uh, 2019 Detroit, 2019 um, Tampa, and let's see what the average points are. But go ahead. Yeah, but Detroit has had a um, a substantial change in yeah. their offensive makeup because, remember, they started out with Stafford. No, I understand. But here's the beauty of it, Steve. You've got a ranking on the difference from Stafford to Blau, right? Yes. So we'll just adjust it per game. That's all. Yeah, so it- now, I guess the question is, I've never thought of this before. If a quarterback is worth X, whatever that is, does that come right off the total? I guess it, it couldn't affect the defense. It would have to come right off the expected points of the offense, right? Yes. Okay. So we can adjust. And I've got an eight-and-a-half point difference. 
Because Blau's the third string, remember. Driscoll but, but was has, the second string. But has Blau played worse than Driscoll? He's only played two games. Well, that's a, only two games. Eight eight quarters. Go ahead. Right. So in the first quarter, Blau played much better. No, 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 I, what's his stats over the two games? QBR 54 and 21. Okay. So what we're saying is if it's somewhere in between, it's like 36. Yes. That doesn't seem like an eight-point adjustment from Stafford. Well, you're talking about a top seven quarterback versus the worst, one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the league. I know that's not. I mean, there's no, how many quarterbacks yeah. are even worth seven points against their backup? Fair, fair enough. I I feel the fifty four. Well, you just said the Bears. You just said something very interesting. You just said that he's playing like a low level starter. The QBR well, yeah. is that of a what low other, level starter, and yes. we're going to trust the Fezzik eye test. You're going to tell us how it was in the first quarter and they weren't ready for him. He threw deep against the Bears. He threw two long passes. So is he not allowed to throw long passes this game? He's allowed to, but I, I really think the Bears They're better totally against expected the, how, him. To, how tall is their cornerbacks? I don't know. No, it's just these, all these conclusions. Are, I don't get them. You have a bad pick. That's the conclusion. I think I have a good pick, and I think the market's going to reflect it. The, the fact that— Oh, one of your buddies told you this no, is this going is mine. No, this is just totally mine. Well, the market, we know how important that market <laughs> is. Ooh, dog, that market. We better just like make that the deciding factor. What do we got? 53.2 is the average between the two teams. What? Offense, Offensive okay. scoring, defensive scoring for both teams, divide by two. Now, the question is how many games had Stafford— and then, you know, we take out that, that, those points. But, Steve, it's going to be over. For, I mean, because so, that's almost seven points right there, right? Yeah, it's 6.2. And, I mean, I think I, – I don't even think we need to do the work, Steve, because what I'm seeing is I think if you really think about this Blau adjustment, it's hard to say this is as bad as any – like the best quarterback to their backup when the guy's playing like a low-level starter. Let's say it's somewhere in between. He's at least as good as a normal backup, you would think. No, I don't think that. Then, then I don't know how you can get. So you, you're just off, and, and that's driven by what exactly? No, he's a totally unproven. Remember when they played unproven, the Bears? He just played eight games or eight, eight, eight quarters. quarters, right? Yeah. Remember when they played the Bears? The money absolutely poured in against this guy. What does that mean? The marketplace felt he was he was completely unprepared to be a starting quarterback. The market was what wrong in that in that Bears game. He played very well in the first quarter. So what are you saying? His last seven quarters, he has not played well at all. Well, even the but what I'm saying is we're not if he played well there'd be I mean Stafford wasn't having any gangbuster season unless that what was Stafford's QBR I mean let's not act like that if he was playing very well he might be competing for the starting job sixty nine yeah so pretty good yeah but not great next game oh my gosh Fez has a pick on this one yes I like Washington plus four and a half against it's Philly, Philly. at Washington. <laughs> When have I ever not given the game? No, I like the initiative. Philly, Washington. Fez has a pick? Yep. Line? Philly's four and a half. And I like Washington plus four and a half. This is my line mover. I think that the line is going to move. It's all about the Eagles' injuries on offense. We've seen this movie before. When did we see it? Well, remember when Philly was hosting Seattle and Philly was laying two all week long and then, uh uh-oh, problems with the offense. Lane Johnson ruled out before the Seattle game. Uh, Wide receiver Aguilar ruled out and Jeffrey ruled out. So no wide receivers, no Lane Johnson. And we saw one of the biggest late line moves of the year where Seattle went from plus two 
to minus two at Philadelphia. Well, we've got the exactly the same guys out for Philly as we had in that Seattle game. And we already saw that three points of that line move occurred in the final 18 hours before the game started. So I would expect that there'd be a similar repercussions to the to Philadelphia. And if anything, I think the line might move even more because what did we see in the Seattle game? Philly completely Wentz couldn't move the offense, completely ineffective. They lost 9-17, to and they only got a touchdown in the final seconds of the game. So because of that, and what, what did we see in Monday Night Football? Well, we saw that Philly finally was able to move the ball when they got the ball to Ertz, but those practice squad wide receivers just were not able to get it done. Once we saw Jeffrey go out in the first half, I think that Philly's going to struggle again on offense, and frankly, the Washington defense playing much better over the last eight games. The Washington D has given up just under 20 points per game, so better, significantly better than the NFL average. I'm on Washington plus four and a half, and I think that this line is going to go down. Okay, so listeners of the show, astute listeners would say, RJ was on Washington last week. Faz, and you were skeptical, and somehow Washington didn't end up on the Super Contest picks. Closing line, but you can't, you can't bet 12 and a half on the line's 13. 13, that critical key number <laughs> of 13. Beware. See, you let, you, you know, the irony, you let him out. The, the irony is that, is that Detroit was a 13-point dog and it dropped and they actually lost by exactly 13. So it actually mattered in one of the two games lined at 13, but I digress. Well, no, because it, I agree. Well, I don't recall that game, but I'm sure you got it right. But what we're saying here is if the only thing we're betting on or not betting on is the half a point and the number's 13, <laughs> it doesn't fall 13 all that often. It, correct. 13's very unlikely. But somehow your Steelers pick that you just ha- or, or your uh, Arizona pick, you just had to get that in there. There was just no way not to. I might have a root canal coming on myself. What did, oh. you, what did you think about that? I mean, like, what was it about that pick that you liked? I don't even recall. <laughs> you just blocked it out? I did. Because I think what we need to do is realize Tomlin is probably not in his typical Tomlin mode right now. That's a great point. So historically, Tomlin was only 40% as a road favorite. But keep in mind, a lot of times... You liked that too, didn't you? Yeah, I did like Arizona. But you're exactly right. This isn't a typical Tomlin team. So they're not laying extra points on the road where they have motivation issues. This is a team that's fighting, clawing, and scrapping for every single win this season. It's not one that could take a couple games off. Ah, we'll get them at the end of the season yeah. if we don't get this game. I agree. Tom is here in coach of the year. Yeah. I promise you he wants that. Yep. And would deserve it, in my opinion, if they get to the playoffs. Well, they're favored to get to the playoffs now. Yep. And what's amazing, their season win number was nine, got bet up to nine and a half. And everybody that bet over nine is like, oh, I'm drawing dead after Big Ben goes down. Mm-hmm. And now they're right there. They're probably going to win nine games. So very likely that, or a, or a good chance, they still have to play um, one game at Baltimore week 17. So you said there's a good chance they're going to do what? Go to 10? I think, I think they're going to probably finish nine. Because they're going to win. So I think what's their record right now? They got eight wins. They got two games close to pick them. So this they have week. three games left, but the third game's at Baltimore. Yeah, so but that game but Baltimore might, not might rest everybody. We'll have to and see. Who, and how did the Baltimore game go the first time? Twenty three twenty overtime. Juju fumbled away the game. So we're going to act like Baltimore is like an unwinnable game. So I mean, they should have what coin flip, coin flip. So they have like one point three wins coming up, right? Yep. And they got eight wins. Yes. 
Yeah, so it's tough to get to 10. Well, first off, if you're playing nine and a half, you shouldn't, you know, just yeah. give your money to charity. Okay. Washington's the team. And, Fez, would we agree you believe the running, the two-headed running back becoming one is a factor? Oh, no doubt. Geis is the better running back than Adrian Peterson, was running really well, and unfortunately injured his knees out for the year, and now they got to go with AP. That is certainly a negative. So, Brad, give us your take on this game. Fez, when he's doing that, if you don't mind, see how many carries AP had. I just wonder, because I think it might be more of an effect as the carries add up ending the season, these three games. What do you got in the game? I'm also in Washington. I like Washington. It's a like. It is a like. Is it a but like, not like? A, no, it's not a like-like because I don't think I have an overly strong handicap. What I am impressed with Washington is with an interim coach, Callahan, usually you get an early uptick. It's been pretty steady here with Callahan. They've covered five of their seven games. I was worried about the offense, but yet with the young quarterback, Haskins, We've seen the trend line slightly going up. I was really worried early. Preseason didn't look good. Early starts didn't look good. He well, looked- I'm I'm super worried about him as a quarterback. I'm not worried. I I am. If how's this sound? Well, I'm not saying he's your future franchise. I think he's capable of you know them continuing to play like they have been. Oh, that's interesting. How good are meaning if you just take the time since the Jets game? How good are they? Meaning. I, I think you could almost make the case 22nd, 23rd best team. You think Haskins could be a quarterback on the 22nd best team long term? Mm. I think Haskins is as bad as – I think if you said the worst quarterbacks that started multiple games, Kaiser no-no would be, <laughs> would be right there on the yeah. list. I think he's one of the three or four worst quarterbacks the last couple of years. What's QBR saying? Right, because if anything, he's got the advantage that they have a running game. I mean, in general, less usage means more efficiency. All right. Yeah. What, what what do we got, Steve? So AP was getting the bulk of the carries for most most of the year. Averaging, when when he was the other guy, Geis was out. When right? Geis was out, Geis has been was back for four games. So Geis came in was averaging about eight to nine carries per game. So AP had a three game stretch, which were the lowest that he had for the year 9, 10, and 13. Last week, AP had to carry 20 times because Geis Ooh. exited early. Ooh. Wow. So you're saying, what was AP's carries before Geis came back? He he was uh, 23, 20, 14, 18, were the four games okay. before Geis came back. So he was the bell cow, and I think he kind of got a, a little bit of a revival step to his legs because he became you know the, the dual-headed monster. So I don't know if this is going to So catch- what you're saying is, Having the two-headed monster has two advantages. One, Geis is probably better than him right now. But two, if Peterson knew he was going to get 9 to 12 carries, there'd be more burst. Exactly. But he did get a nice break in November because he was only averaging 11 carries in those three games when Geis first came back. You know the nightmare scenario for you. They decide, you know something? These games don't really matter. We want to play hard. Now that Geis is hurt, let's just have Haskins. Hastings, how do you say his name? Haskins. Haskins. Hasey is, <laughs> is imagine having him, like, say, let's throw him 35 to 45 times a oh, game. That oh. is the nightmare. If you knew that he was going to throw the ball 40 times. No way. What, no, no, no. What kind of adjustment would you make? Oh, wow. I think it's got to be like four or five points. I agree. All right, so. Yeah, the QBR is pitiful. Even in the most recent uptick for Washington as a team, 
QBR, we're talking 9, 15, 15, 27. You're right, RJ. I didn't realize it was that pathetic. There's no ascension here. And and you think of it, it, what it proves is, and this is what Lombardi says, if you don't lose in the NFL, you win a lot of games. All right. Lose is a verb in that if you're not doing plays like turn the ball over. What's been the turnovers? Mackenzie, look that up real quick because it'll be easy on the super secret Excel sheet. But if you don't turn the ball over and you have NFL players, you're going to win six games, seven, even seven games. Cause so many teams are playing, they're losing the game. You just let them lose. Right? Because what, yeah. what has Washington done that's been impressive? They've run the ball okay. Yeah, and played defense and run the ball. Right? Yeah, Washington plus two on turnovers year to date. So they're the the rare losing team that has taken care of the ball. Chicago, Green Bay, line is four. What's Green Bay's home field, Fast? Green Bay's got four for a home field. So we're saying Chicago and Green Bay are even teams. That's what the market is saying. So you got to love Green Bay. You do know they have the Smith brothers. <laughs> Zadarius. And I don't know this other guy's name. Doesn't matter. They're going to be out of the league soon. Preston. They're going to be out of the league soon. You probably knew a Preston back at your high school. No Prestons. Come on. A Skippy. A Thurston Howe. <laughs> Thurston Howe. <laughs> what do you got? Uh, I'm passing this game. Green Bay, 10-3, and three, but they have subpar stats, and they've only outscored their opponents by 39 points. And frankly, the scoring margin is one of the more favorable stats. If you look at a yards per play differential, Green Bay is a significant minus, just about minus a half a yard. So every time they snap the ball once, their opponents snap the ball, they lose half a yard. That's unheard of for a 10-3 and team, and it's gotten worse. Green Bay has been outgained in the second half of the year, starting in Week 9, by 68 yards per play. So Per game. Per game. I mean, it's just – thank you. So it's pretty incredible. Um, also, Chicago may well be an improved team in December. I like what I saw from Trubisky. He ran versus Dallas 10 times for 63 yards. Why is that significant? Well, Trubisky ran a whole lot last year. He finished with 421 yards. For whatever reason, he stayed in the pocket. He has not run this year. He only has 143 yards year-to-date, and I think that's a big reason why his stats are so much worse than last year when he was number three in the league in QBR. Also, Chicago does have a key player returning, the run-stuffer, Akeem Hicks. He's ready to return. He's only played three games year-to-date. He would make a big difference in that somewhat underperforming Chicago defense. So I think... There are reasons why Chicago is on the uptick, and that's why the marketplace is valuing Chicago as being an equal team to Green Bay. I don't necessarily agree, but I certainly can respect the reasons why that this line has come down to four. I'm leaning Chicago. I mean, the Westgate shading this to four. Isn't there a lot of four and a halfs in the market? Yes. They're certainly shading Chicago here. Where I do have seen improvement is certainly on offense. Chicago was pitiful. First 10 games of the season, they only topped 300 yards one time. We're talking 300 yards in an NFL game, one time in 10 games. Each of the last three games, they've easily topped 300 yards. You mentioned it, particularly the last game. Trubisky's running it more. I'm leaning Chicago, but here is one person that does have a strong opinion on this game. It is McKenzie. You like Green Bay in this one. That's right. Straight out of Chicago. I was born in 1990. The Bears fired Mike Ditka in 1992. So since I opened my eyes and can remember anything, the Bears have been in a bad way against the Packers. In that time frame, 
The Packers are 40 and 14 straight up, 34, 19 and 1 ATS. And while my power rankings do have the Packers a couple points better, so with their home court advantage, it's already a decent play, I truly think there's an institutional advantage for Green Bay. They care about the game more. They're less cynical with their players and coaches. And, and they've proven time and time and again they show up in this rivalry. Fair enough. I can get the institutional because, I mean, I grew up. I've seen two very disparate uh, eras in the Michigan-Ohio State game. So I grew up close to... Toledo, Ohio, which is the epicenter right in between. I mean, the Battle of Ohio. I mean, the, the, there's the joke out there that Ohio actually lost because who would want Toledo in a border war? But I saw growing up Michigan institutionally had John Cooper's number, had Ohio State's number. Last 15 years institutionally, McKenzie. I mean, to me, is there that much better Ohio State than Michigan to the tune of 14-1 and the last 15 years? No, but institutionally I could see it. Ohio cares a hell of a lot more and just down to their core than Michigan does. At least that's what I've seen the last 15 years. So I hear you when it comes to, you know, the Green Bay caring a little bit more. Right. And that I think the community permeates into the organization, permeates into the team. And uh, you talk about caring more. I think when the Bears have a new coach, there's a reset. And they and they think uh, they think differently about this game. And they say, you know, they've had our number the last couple of years, but we're really going to go get them. And Matt Nagy won his first couple games against the Packers. In fact, a new Bears coach is 4-2 ATS since 1992 when they fired Mike Ditka against the Packers. If you take out those games, they're 60, they're, the Packers are 66% against the spread with an ATS margin over 4. I think they got their number. I bet them the first game of the season, I'm betting them again. And I will say that I prefer the money line because Matt LaFleur, a Shanahan tree coach, uh, kind of takes it to an extreme with pre- preference to the run. And I think if they're up 10, they'll run three straight times into the line and punt. So I'm afraid of that scenario. I'm going to put at least two-thirds of my bet on the money line, minus 200. And the theory being, if you're only laying, what's the current four? Yep. If you're only laying four, you might say, well, why money line? Being, you know, if you're up 10, as you said, you know, the back door is open at that point. Which was the case last week when the Washington game. They didn't care. Washington was the team that scored last. Yeah, yeah, but they still cover even if they don't score last. Yeah, they do. Wow, that was a good pick. How was that not on the... I don't know. I don't know. Mm. All right. Would you... uh, Anything else in that game? No, we got it. Covered. Next game. The Patriots at the Bungles laying nine or so. I got to get the other sheet out. Brad, you like this. I do. I like New England here. Let's just start it off with this. New England off two straight losses. We're talking straight up here. New England hasn't lost three straight games since 2002. There's been 10 times since 2002 that the Patriots have been coming off two straight losses. How have the Patriots done in those games off two straight losses? 10-0 and 0 straight up. They win by 20 points. Hold on game. a second. Hold the phone. That's not all the 2002 games. The end of 2002. Oh, interesting. Yes. Go ahead. The end of 2002. Thank you. 10-0 uh, and 0 straight up. They win by 20 points per game. Against the spread off two straight losses. 8-2 and two against the spread. They cover by 15 points per game. I think all this Spygate 2, 2.0 stuff will have Cincinnati. will have New England motivated here. And on top of that, I don't think there's a bigger coaching mismatch than Bill Belichick 
versus Taylor for Cincinnati than I can recall ever in the history of the NFL because I think, quite simply, that's Taylor, interesting. Taylor's that's unqualified to be a head coach. When have we had a matchup against Belichick who's gotten better with age against a guy that has no business? I, I think this is a huge coaching mismatch here. Okay, interesting. Now, I have my theories on it. Why would a, a specific coach, an elite coach, do so well off a loss and then, you know, even better off of two losses. Extra focus. Uh, I mean, to, what the, I mean, I guess the Patriots are always focused. Yeah, but there's degrees. More than average. There's degrees. I mean, it's just something that's so – I'm a big outlier guy. I like to play against, you know, outliers, whether it be outlier lines, you know, historic lines, or how about historic situations. The fact that it's only happened 10 times in 17 years that the Patriots have lost two games – I mean, I just trust a Hall of Fame caliber coach to get things back on track after two subpar performances. Okay. But back to the question, what you're saying is focus is the main thing we yeah. take off a loss. Fez, what, what, most good coaches off a loss do better ATS than in other situations. Why do you think that is? I think the obvious answer of focus is the well, right first, answer. Yeah. I'm, I don't want the obvious answer. I want your answer. Oh, I think. My answer is the obvious answer. Okay. It's just so much easier when you're you're winning all these games. You're winning two-thirds of your games plus, and you come off of a loss that all of a sudden everyone's going to pay more attention and practice is going to be crisper, and I think it, resu- it results in but better. But the theory is everyone's not going to pay more attention. Rather, the coach is going to create a culture in which more attention is expected. Yes, and the markets may react negatively to that loss, so you might get an extra half point of line value in your games when the truth is you probably should get a half point less in line value because of that focus. Okay. I agree with that. I think there's uh, one other major factor and with good coaches, and then I think there's actually another factor with Belichick. I think with good coaches, they're not, they haven't been exposed Let's use the Rams as an example. McVay, some called him the boy genius. He got exposed by Belichick that what they were doing, and I'm not technical enough to, you know, apparently it's six people on the line. They're taking an even split and, you know, just something about it stops the zone. Yeah, okay. Belichick did it in a way. Now, remember, the Bears actually did this on that, that weather game we all remember, but Belichick did a slight variation of it, and there we go. And they, they now say, well, you know, McVeigh's changed enough that that's not the source of their current problems. Though maybe they're not having problems right now. Well, certainly on offense, they may be defense or not, but we're talking about offense for the Rams. If you're a great coach, your scheme is not going to be able to be exploited, meaning they're not going to just do something that if everyone starts doing this, that's something we got to do more of. What teams do we think are exceeding expectations, which means there's probably some quirk in the scheme they're exploiting. And thus, when they do have a really bad game, you got to wonder, is this now the solution? Mm. And we've seen that with quarterbacks, right? They figure yeah. something out, and then the, it's not just, oh, it's like, boom, there's a bad game, and then there's nothing but bad yeah. games. Belichick is going to be the most balanced. He's going to be the most, you know, GTO, as the poker players say. And... There is no – he started it all through. There's no move you're going to make he doesn't have a counter for. It doesn't mean he doesn't have the – it doesn't mean he has the right players to win a Super Bowl. It doesn't mean this. That, it means you're not going to get him schematically. What percentage of games that a team loses is about the other team scheming up something fresh that's effective, either on offense or defense, that the next week's opponent can take advantage of? Thus, 
that will actually lend itself to losing more games in a row. Yeah. Whereas with a great coach, is that that doesn't happen. Mm. That's strong. I have yeah. not. I've not heard that ever before. I, you know, I I I think there's something to it. I really because because with bad teams, now if they get humiliated, the players step up. But you never hear trends about a bat, you know, a bat and the average like a Marvin Lewis off a loss, right? No. And I'm, I'm but I'm saying like how yeah. many coaches, other than the best coaches, I think generally off a loss, it can go two ways. It can be the beginning of a real problem. And with Belichick, it's never the beginning of a real problem. At least it hasn't been in New England, as you said, they haven't lost three in a row yeah. during this era. This would be history. And that's a great way to think about it. They haven't been lost three in a row since 2002. Yeah. That's something. Yeah. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get a count of how many other times teams have lost three in a row. That'd be a great tweet. Yeah. That's going to be interesting. I wonder how many times, like, <laughs> the Browns have lost three in a row. <laughs> wow. Now here, I cannot wait for that tweet. Now, here's what we got to ask ourselves. If you lose four in a row, you've lost three in a row twice. Yes. Right? That's the way we would do that. Right, because you lost game one, two, and three. You lost game two, three, and four. Yeah. Yes. Yep. That's okay. how you do it. Mm-hmm. All right. So three in a row versus the Pats versus the league. Okay, that's gonna be fun. Oh, wow. I bet. I mean, you. I can't even guess. I mean, New England, or I'm sorry, Browns. You got to figure average what about five times a year. <laughs> yeah. So it would be like seven. It'd be like like forty times. Yeah. <laughs> that's my. Yeah. That's a guess. I'll take the over. You like that's right. All right, you like. I like New England here. It's nine and, and a half. And it's a like like for me. It's nine and a half in the contest. And you know what? I normally don't lay a lot of points on the road. You know, you got that history out there. You can't lay more than seven on the road. Uh uh-uh. uh Fundamental change. NFL. Last five years, if you're laying seven or more on the road. You are 60% against the spread, covering by four points per game. Sample size, like 75 games. It's funny. Eight or more of a home dog at the very edge of that streak was like 20 and two. Really? Yeah. So I don't know if it's a fundamental change. Oh, maybe not. Or it could be the ebbs mm. and the flows. Yeah. What you got, Fess? Yeah, I'm going to lean to Cincinnati. You know, I just can't do it with the Patriots because you talk about your fundamental change, Tom Brady. You can talk about how well you do off of two losses and bouncing back. Well, Brady, for the first time in his career, four straight subpar games as measured by a QBR of less than 40. Well, hold on. QBR didn't even exist most of his career. Yeah, back to I think it goes back to 2006. Okay, that's interesting. So when you say, for the first time in his career, you mean not for the first time in his career. You have no idea. I have no idea. Then why won't you say from 2006? I was, I'm, not, and I'm not certain it's QBR started. It's 2006. 2006. Okay. So why didn't you say that? Yeah. I should have. Continue. Yeah. So for the first time since 2006, Brady has had four straight clear subpar QBR games. And I hate to use the eye test, but my goodness. Hold on a second. What is par? Par average. On QBR? Uh, 52. Like a little bit above 50. Okay. So if I hit 49, am I par? No. If I hit 53, am I par? Yes. No, I'm above par in that case. Yes. So there's like literally one-tenth of one percent. Like, is it 52? Because, by the way, let's just forget the whole 52 thing because what's happened is they haven't reset it and quarterbacks are playing better. Let's say it's 50.0. Is 50.01 par? It seems like par should be 40 to 60. 
Like there should be a range that this is an average performance. I, yeah, 45 to 55. I'll accept that. Yeah, so okay. has Brady been below 45 all these games? Below 40. All right. And do we know for a fact that with that range, well, let me think, that would actually decrease the chance of being below par, what we just did. So if he what? so, okay. I do, I mean, because my point being, and I was being a little cute with it is, I do think we should say, hey, that's above average. I accept that. But there's got to be a middle ground that that guy did okay. But you're saying below 40 all the games. Yeah, so he really wow. has not yeah. done okay the last four games. Below 40. I'm scared. You're sure? Pull that Yeah, out. no, I'm sure. Absolutely. 100%. And he's, and he's currently ranked 18th in QBR. But that's the thing is below 40 four straight games would be like war. I, I wonder if anyone's been – like we're looking at that backup quarterback. Blau or whatever wasn't below 40. For it was one game and not the other. Yes, so I think Mariota year to date is like low thirties. He was the worst. But that's fine, low thirties. But you're not going to be below it every freaking game. No, and you're sure he is. Yes. All right. Next game. Oh, we got another disagreement coming. I don't think we have the guts to go against. And it's not a true crossfire. Panther Seahawks. So very interesting. Fez is correct. That usually, and he talked about this last week, teams like the Panthers, they get a coach is fired. There's a, a, a an energy increase, a, a sense of how would you explain like the phenomenon? You know, they've done psych, psychology experiments. There was a factory. I'm be, I'll be very quick with this. Where they kept oh, take your time. They kept moving the lights around. All right, and productivity kept increasing. Like, oh, when the lights are lower, productivity is better. Then the lights go higher, productivity is better. It turned out any change. And there was an improvement in productivity so that when there's a change with a coach being fired, the team tends to respond whether they like the coach or whether they dislike the coach. However, that didn't happen when Carolina fired Ron Rivera. The money poured in on Atlanta. The line went up from minus two to minus three and a half. Shocked me. And I I predicted the opposite would happen. Did it shock you? Because when you predicted that and we were on air and you had one of your days off, we text back say oh we disagree on this one we did so even though i felt i mean let's just say this you might not want to be predicting the future if i think one thing and you think the other and if i'm right you're shocked well i didn't know how you felt i <laughs> oh, just I, 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 just when i sent the text oh, okay, okay. yeah i didn't listen to the to the show initially and so um initially he said and i haven't listened that's to the show. funny uh-huh. he just throws these things exactly in so what happens I love this guy carolina gives up 40 points what is it required to play good defense effort level and it was lacking last week i think there's a real clear carolina team motivation issue so i do not want to be betting on carolina anytime soon now sometimes if there's like the all oh, we expect left and it goes right if it goes way right they were like, whatever it is that led to that gets fixed. It gets corrected. I think it just gets worse because the bad loss last week continues the narrative of, well, how we're going to be out of this. Like, like uh, the chance of them get, retaining their jobs just went down. Right. So mm-hmm. what caused the trouble to start with the, the tumult was te- uh, temper. I always say this wrong. Yeah. Tepper. Tepper. Like t- I always think Tupper wears a Tepper. All right. David Tepper. He, hedge fund guy, analytics guy, riverboat Ron, riverboat Ron and his crew weren't. He's going to want his guys in there. You buy a team, you're going to want your guys in there. But here's the thing. The next head coach, I think it was TJ Husbanzana, was on FS1, and he was saying there was like eight to ten players. Did you see this? 
Mm-mm. Oh. I'm just, uh, you just did Hushmanzada <laughs> really fast, really well. Is 10 guys or so, he said, are the guys that are those special teams guys that Parcells was famous for this, right? He had his guys. They were not necessarily great. They would sign for the veteran minimum, but he would go from the Jets to the page. He brings guys with them. Those guys, he goes, when Riverboat Wrong leaves, the odds of like the 45th, 46th, 47th player on the team staying on with Carolina plummets. Mm. So it's not just the staff and all that. It's the players themselves. Because mm. you might say, oh, they're on tape. They're going to get graded. Yeah, if they're clearly good, but the tiebreaker goes to the new coach and his guys. Now that I've never, you know, it was fresh. I actually pulled that sound. So whenever that comes up again, I'm going to edit that to about 20 seconds so we can hear from him on it. So my thought is it continues here. What do you think, Fed? I agree. So I want to bet on Seattle, but okay. I can't do it because I want to bet against Seattle. I feel Seattle is now, overrated. All right. Now, why is that? They're 10 and 3, but you look at the underlying stats and they don't have the stats of a 10 and 3 team. They've only outscored their opponents by 20 points all year long. Now, just to be clear, scoring isn't stats, right? Right, right. So, so th- it's the point differential. It's the point differential. Which are, is, how are their stats? Their stats, let me see. Yeah, let's go to YPP. Let's go to YPP. They're bad. for, a, for They're horrible for a 10-3 team. They're minus .1 yards per play. So really, that's nice that they're that because it's easy to say this is an average team statistically. Yes, but, yeah. but they've gone 9-1 and one in games decided by one score as defined by eight points or less. RJ, let's hear what the internet contingent might say about this. I have a question. Russell Wilson, he's very mobile, and he runs the ball during high-leverage situations. Thus, it only makes sense, dum-dum, that Russell Wilson would have a very good record in close games. Answer that, smarty pants. Well, let's look at the history and how Russell Wilson did with that positive variance in close games. Turns out it wasn't there prior to this year. In close games, Seattle was actually just below 500 in the Russell Wilson, um, all the games with Seattle prior to this year. Yeah, so seven years, two games under 500 from 2012 through 2018. By the way, I want to tell my audience, this is fake Fezzik. This is my real voice. I've been trying to assimilate. That's over. It's blood now. What'd you think, Brad? I liked it. I like it a lot. <laughs> yes. Here's the commitment. I got a new little voice box. I'm going to have some super tight restriction because I could go crazy. It's going to be like 30 seconds a week kind of thing. On the pod, maybe 30 seconds a week on the radio. So 60 yeah. seconds a week. There's like a devil voice. It's good. Yeah. What do you think, Fez? Uh, jury's still out. Let me get back to you. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're cra- I mean, just your instincts for creativity are so strong. That causes me concern. <laughs> All right, so I hear you. I think Seattle's really overrated. I've been getting – oh, I did. I think it's dissipating a little bit. Got a lot of heat for that, for saying I believe that. Here's the question, though. I don't have any sense of what this line should be. That's where the power ratings come in. So tell us two things. One, how much did you – where do you have Seattle overall? And then number two, how much did you download Greg Carolina? Where do you have them right now? So I've got Seattle sixth overall. So that's interesting. You're saying they should be a 500 team. Stats say that, or the points say that. Yes. Why are they sixth? 
Let me look at the points here. Points are like it was 30. They're plus 20. So nine, they should be like one game above 500. Seven and six. Okay. But what I'm saying is the seven and six. Okay, fine. But you've got them number seven. Seven and six would be like number 14. Yeah, I actually have them number six. Number six. So I'm asking you. But I only have them three points better than an average team. So it's not like I've got them that high. You got them sixth? Yes. So here's the question. If the stats are the truth, why aren't they 14th? Well, Buffalo's 14th, and they're only half a point better than an average team. This is Steve Fezzik. My numbers say bet Dallas. That means bet Dallas. That's what you said, Steve. And then Dallas loses, and lo and behold, you're like, Dallas stinks. We're going to come up to that soon. So my question is this. If you tell me, here's when I trust my stats 90%. Here's when I trust the mate. Here's the flaw. Like one flaw we've already ascertained is it doesn't uh, judge Belichick properly. Right. Why would that be the only flaw? Well, there's got to be numerous others. The fact that that is so flawed on the Belichick numbers. And we used to talk about the Cleveland Browns, remember, a few years back with the Kaiser, how they were always overvalued by all the stat guys. Yeah, and Lan, I mean, sometimes they're stat guys. Mm. And, and I guess my question is, Seattle stats say nine and seven, you know, like a nine and seven type team, right? Yes. You've got them ranked sixth in the NFL. I think I'm, you know what? I hate to go against my numbers. My numbers are wrong. I've got Seattle too high here, and I'm adhering too much to put them in line somewhat with the marketplace. I'm being, the marketplace, I I know if I put them here, I'll still be leaning against them in most games, but that's wrong. I want to bet against this team, and I should have Seattle significantly lower. It's a mistake. You should have what you think they are. Yes. And I think we have to come up with them. That's a great, you just said it exactly right. I think we got to come up with a methodology of we trust the numbers except, and it's got to be spelled out. Because if Seattle, if the marketplace had been dealing Seattle lines two and a half points lower, I would have Seattle only one point better than an average team. Yeah, that's the thing. You're, and I get the whole point. If the market's saying one thing, if every if the talking heads are saying pretty much not the same, I think the talking heads got Seattle. I mean, listen. Oh, who was that? It was Bill Simmons. Listen, Simmons knows the NFL. He's not a professional batter. He was like, no, no, it was Colin. Colin was saying Seattle was his pick in the NFC. He goes, it just looks like a Baltimore-Seattle Super Bowl. You heard that. Yeah, Colin's number four team in the NFL. Let's listen to the hit, man. All right, best bet. We're going to switch things up a little bit this week. We're going to go with a best bet prop bet. And the one I'm looking at this week is Chris Carson over rush yards i expect this number to come in around uh 88 and a half or so but my buy price on this is all the way up to 93 and a half so why do i like chris carson this week well rashad penny's out for the year which means that chris carson's back to being the full-time bell cow for the seattle offense who does he get to play this week? He gets to play the Carolina Panthers, who rank 31st in the league in yards per carry, surrendered to opposing backs. Over their last three games, Panthers have allowed 162 yards, 254 total yards, and 166 total yards to opposing running backs. And one of the most important factors in this handicap is that Pete Carroll came out after the Rams game and said one of the reasons that he thought they lost is they didn't run the ball enough. And you have Chris Carson, who's handled 23 touches per game in the games that Rashad Penny has either missed or been limited. 
Best bet, Chris Carson, over 88.5 rush yards, buy price up to 93.5. All right. Good stuff. Tommy the Hitman. Next game, Chiefs, Broncos. Oh, this is fascinating. Chiefs, 9.5. Let's give credit where credit's due. Now, we've said this one before, Fed, so do me a favor. Do a 22-second version. Seattle, you thought was, or check that, Kansas City, you thought, Way underrated. Yeah, underrated for two reasons. On offense, they had six games, Kansas City did, where their offense was compromised. Now, three of them were obvious. Matt Moore had to quarterback for Mahomes. The other three less obvious. Mahomes got injured, and because of that, he was not close to 100%. Specifically, Kansas City's lost Indianapolis and to Houston, where Mahomes got his ankle stomped upon, and he was not himself in the fourth quarter in either of those games and his first game back at the Titans when he came back from the dislocated knee. So the offense of Kansas City is underrated because Mahomes, when he's fully back to 100% and he's getting closer to it, is going to resemble the Mahomes of last year. Further, Tyreek Hill, his number one target, missed four games early in the year. The team is so much better with the Cheetah back. So the offense for Kansas City going to be every bit as good as last year, if not better. And the Kansas City defense, not just better, but significantly better under new defensive coordinator Spagnola. They started out about the same as last year, but they've shown continued improvement. Here are the numbers. 2018 Kansas City, not good. 26th defense, according to Football Outsiders. 2019 Kansas City is certain, currently 13th, according to Football Outsiders. A huge increase. Yeah, you must have been at the top of your f***ing class. Okay, I agree. Now, I don't know how much that's still the case after the win against the Pats. Mm. What does this number tell you, Fez? It's Chiefs 9.5 against Broncos. Yeah, so obviously we're worried that Kansas City is going to be getting pricier and pricier. Well, now, I'm not asking you to tell me what I'm worried about. What is the num- what's your number? My number's 12.5. Okay, so you think still Casey's underrated. Correct. My only concern is that Mahomes another injury. But this isn't a like, right? This is a like. All right, so you like... Kansas you might City. want to leave with that. I like Kansas City. And my only concern, the reason it's not a like-like, is because at the end of the game, in the second half, Mahomes had an injury to his hand. Now, everything was negative on the MRI and the like, but I'm not 100% sure that Mahomes isn't once again not going to be 100% in this game because of a new injury. What do you got, Brian? I lean Denver here. And just generally speaking, I think Denver's underrated. Why? Here's a Denver team that lost not one, not two, but three games on the final play, last-second field goals. And there's been a fundamental change with Denver. Keep in mind that you got a couple game stats with Brandon Allen, little flip as your quarterback. (laughs) Now they get their second-round draft pick, Drew Locke, in there. I was concerned coming into even last week, Drew Locke. I'm not a fan of Drew Locke at the college level. Looked really good in the first half. Second half, Drew Locke. 11 yards. You might want to fast forward here, bud. Yeah, 11 11 yards past. But what I'm saying is last week you made a brilliant point. I thought, hey, they might have figured him out at halftime. Yeah, I thought. What happened last week, though? Or this most recent game? Most recent game, Drew Locke has one of the best five QBR performances of the entire season. In fact, it ranked number four. You know who has the top three? Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson. So outside of Lamar Jackson, the best quarterback performance according to QBR of any quarterback in any game this season outside of Jackson. Rookie starters or? or No, any 98.6 on QBR. That was his QBR last week. Drew Locke. Drew Locke. If that is his name. Yes. He could go in this business. Locke. 
Yeah. He had, other than Lamar Jackson, the best QBR this season. Yeah. Better than Mahomes. Better, yep. you know, better than that uh, Aaron Rodgers perfect game passer yep. rating yep. when they were at, what was that, Kansas City, if I remember? Yes. Wow. Now, last week they played a, you know, not beleaguered, the opposite, maybe a hungover Houston yeah. team. But still, though, you think once they – wow. So how are we – great? like how much of an upgrade did you give Locke, Fez? I mean, you had to consider that in your power ratings. Yes, and I have not updated his quarterback ranking because I do that later. What did you do with Denver? But what I did with Denver, yeah, I mean, bumped know, him two points. It's Wednesday night. I wouldn't necessarily – when we're taping the pot, I wouldn't necessarily have the quarterbacks updated yet. I mean, that's Thursday, right? Two points. So I'm assuming a big chunk of that was locked. Yes. Right? In fact, it's the whole thing, right? Yes. And, you know, I, having watched it, he did some things that were just incredible that you just don't see from rookie quarterbacks. He's looking to the right. It's going to be a screen pass. The whole defense commits to the right. Bang! He heads back to the middle, hits Noah Fant down the middle. Just the way he was – it was almost like he was doing things that seasoned quarterbacks do that you never see rookie quarterbacks do. I got to tell you, I'm rooting on this guy. I just hate the people that are so anti John Elway. I get it. Elway has a seems to me a sense of entitlement. Maybe it's just, or in fact, if it's justified with anyone, Elway in Denver might be the place it is. <laughs> yeah. But I just felt like he. I liked some of his decisions. You know what I really liked? I liked when he let I think Kubiak go because it was one year, right? If I recall, he was there. Or there was a the, <laughs> bless Steve Fezzik. That's the first time you sneezed probably in over a year. That's good. We don't have our cough buttons here. We, we probably should probably get that. Um, there was the one coach before the last two. It wasn't Vance Johnson. It wasn't this, obviously, his current guy. Guy coached like one year. They had like made the playoffs, and he fired him. John Fox? No, because that was – look at the, the uh, Broncos coaches. It was just a very decisive move. You know, I remember that in The Sopranos where they were talking to New York – and it was when Johnny Sack was having some problems with the old man. And they, they, uh, Carmine Jr. was trying to cause trouble. And he goes, well, I always hear that uh, Tony's always doing this or that, like trying to cause trouble. And Senior goes, yeah, I'll tell you this. He's the decisive man. The way he handled blah, blah, blah. He goes, I'd be proud to call him a son of mine. And I just, and I know it's a very, you know, I know it's a very kind of just an impression but as we look at this here, yeah, so Kubiak, it was two seasons, I guess. And I thought Kubiak left because of health reasons. Oh, come on. Yeah. Who leaves an NFL job? Isn't he like the passing game coordinator somewhere now? Yeah. Yeah, his health returned. The health gets bad when, the, when they don't want you anymore most of the time. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. <laughs> you think Urban? I, I'm worried about Urban Meyer and his family time. If he ends up with the Cowboys. Yeah. You are naive. You're a weird combination of cynical and naive, Brad Powers. <laughs> you think that's true? Yeah, I guess so. So, you know what's weird, though? If you just had a really good game, a potential franchise quarterback, at least a chance, and you still have a chance to make the playoffs, I don't have any doubt about Denver's motivation here. Oh, no doubt. Uncle Dave Esler. He's got a pick. Let's listen. Okay, guys. Denver plus 10 over the Kansas City Chiefs. First, the intangibles. Drew Locke coming back to Missouri. He appears to have energized the Broncos. And if Denver can win this game, they can still finish 8-8. Eight and eight, And they're motivated to avenge their worst loss of the season. Chiefs intangible is a big one. Potential flat spot after New England. 
It happened to the Texans last week after beating the Patriots, and they played this Denver team. Tangibles for Denver, Noah Font. Beast mode last week, that's important, because Kansas City has allowed more receptions to tight ends than anyone, and the Chiefs run defense 30th in yards per carry. Locke may not have to be great. Locke's only taken one sack in his two starts. Love that. Denver's defense, tangible. Sixth in pass yards allowed per game. Big one I really like, number one, red zone defense. Broncos are 5-4 and four after the 0-4 start, so undervalued here. I think this line is based on what these teams were in September, not what they are in December. I love the Broncos plus 10. Uncle Dave, all right, listen, all comers, baby. Who wants to bat against the Broncos? Fez, you, what's your power rankings say? 12 and a half with a healthy Mahomes. Okay. Oh, wait. Mahomes is unhealthy all of a sudden. Well, we're worried about his hand. We, we're all collectively. Now, explain this to me. Is he ever going to be? I mean, are we starting to see this guy might be a little fragile? Delegate? Delegate? Three in, three injuries and re-aggravation of the injuries all during the course of one year? Possibly One year? So. You mean like, like seven weeks? Yeah. Fragile. He might be like Gail Sayers. One day we'll say, you should have seen him. Those, those 22 games. Mm. It's great. <laughs> Wish we had, wish YouTube was still up. Next game. Oh, the battle of I don't know what. Bottom of the league. Miami, Giants, Giants three and a half. The assumption is Giants are the better team. I disagree. We have a double like on this game. We might make it a triple. We'll see. Let's start with Brad Powers. I do think Miami's the better team here. And on top of it, I know Miami's got the better head coach. From everything I'm reading is this Flores, the first-year coach for Miami, has exceeded all expectations. I'll tell you who hasn't, and I don't think it's getting enough play. I'm sure it is. You do a lot of New York media, uh, RJ. Pat Shermer, I looked this up because I was just reading 17-45 and 45 straight up as a head coach. I wanted to see how does that rank historically, 17-45? and 45? So there's been 183 coaches in the history of the NFL that have coached at least 50 games. If you stack rank those 183 coaches by win percentage, Pat Shermer ranks 177 out of 183. And how many game? How many minimum games? 50 games. Okay. So 183. So the theory is they've got th- they got through almost three seasons. Yeah, I got through three seasons. You know what's interesting? Or oh, more than three, I guess. Yep. No playoffs in there. I'm getting. No. No. The how many games did the three below him coach? It was similar. Okay. Yeah, one was So it sounds like if he if he retains his job. Oh, it'll be historic. Yeah, he'll be like if you change where that number is, like the sixty or whatever, he'll have the worst record. Yeah, Hugh Jackson was below him. Very similar. In fact, I got it. Hugh Jackson coached a total of fifty six games. And he's at right now Shermer's at sixty two, so he's actually coached more. Send me that list. I, I could do a good tweet on that. Okay. I so I, I just don't think that's getting enough play here. Pat oh, Shermer's oh, 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 hold on. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. Let's get our priorities straight. Yeah, right, thank you, Stephen A. <laughs> yeah, I just don't think that's getting enough play that we have an historically bad coach here, and I think we have an underrated first-year coach. And on top of it, the, at least from what I've seen from Miami, the last nine games, seven and two against the spread. I mean, this team's better than the Giants. I hear you, RJ Bell. I hear you. Here's the question, though. If the number doesn't make sense, we have to understand why it doesn't make sense. Fez, do you agree Miami's the better team? And why is the line what it is? I have Miami rated equally 
to the Giants, but I only have the Giants with a two-point home field advantage. So this line makes no sense in my numbers. I make the game two, and the Giants are laying three and a half. So what you did was just confuse the matter. So what you're saying is, and again, just trying to answer the question, what do you have as the rankings? Equal. These two teams are equal. All right. So now you're saying equal. Okay, well, it should be three. It's three and a half. But it shouldn't even be three. Correct, because the Giants have a weak home field advantage of only two points. So for this line to make sense, the Giants would have to be a point and a half better. Yes. Eli nostalgia? I mean, is the home crowd going to be pumped up? I think up? the second half would have beat it out. Yeah, you would think so. <laughs> I tell you this, the crowd's going to be into it. Yes. I don't think there's a way to get at this. If I wanted to, can you bet the second quarter, third quarter, and fourth quarter? Sure. Before the game? Yes. But they won't let you bet like the final three quarters. Correct. Why? But I guess in a weird way, the question is, is this a type of team that would cluster scores? Miami seems like a grind them out. I mean, I know Fitzpatrick's thrown, but would you, I mean, let, let's say, first of all, do you agree with me? If there was one quarter, you wouldn't want the Dolphins. It's the first. Agreed. So why not take a third of a unit on each of the uh, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter? Yeah, I like it, especially because you're going to get plus a half, and those quarters have to lay a little vig, but those halves are worth so much. But do you think they miss price at? Or just get- I, I do. Wow. So let's do it. Is it up right now? No. When will that come up? Probably Saturday. You want to get in on it, Brad? Yep, I want in. All right. So, what can you get? What can you get? A, I mean, I want. To, I'll take a dime on the game fully. So, do a dime, dime, dime on the three quarters, and we split it three ways. We'll go three thirty-three each. Yeah, done. Yep. All right. I did that in my head. <laughs> Impressive. I hear you. Already. Another hear you. another quick. Wait, hold on. Let me check. Another quick note, pursuant to what Brad was saying, Miami in the last nine games has been outscored by 26 points since the point that Fitzmagic entered against Washington. So they're getting outscored by three per game. That's a lot better than what the Giants have been doing. And there's a couple of intangibles here that favor Miami. One is Fitzmagic. He's number eight in QBR, so he's playing very well for the year. That's despite his first two games, he had a QBR of 39 and 6 against Baltimore and New England. So he would be even better if I just looked at, if I excluded those first two games, that eighth overall in the league does not exclude it. And Fitz is actively running. If you watch this, that game against the Jets, here was a guy hell-bent on winning the game. He ran the ball seven carries, 65 yards, and he put his head down and tried to run over linebackers. He is running like his future in the NFL depends upon it. That's my overlord, Steve Fezzik. I want to understand, and, and the rationale is simple. Ken Thompson, by the way, next week, college pot out for the first, you know what we should do? We should do uh, whatever, we should do like another one the next Monday early. I think um, Christmas Eve is Tuesday. So maybe, yeah, we do it like Monday okay. or maybe Tuesday before, whatever. And we got to figure the NFL too, Fez, but um, we might want to do that Monday and just really hit the grindstone. The... I said, can't tell. Oh, so nothing this week for the college. Next week, we're going to do a first pass and then probably do at least all the games from yeah, there and probably really do are. like an updated pod or something after for college. But Ken is works for the Raiders in one capacity or the other over the years, has a lot of connections. I've heard this from other sources too. Uh, this is the last game in Oakland, and they've been talking about it all year. I mean, 
maybe we get at this a different way. I mean, do we get at this in the first half? Because if, if a big part of my handicap here is the Raiders and the energy from home. Do we get it? What do we do? But first we got to figure out why for the game, which I like it, but it's not my best bet. Why don't you like the Raiders for the game, Fez? Because of the injuries. Oakland is decimated on offense. So the running back, Josh Jacobs, who was a lock to win rookie of the year, he's been running so well, he's very likely to miss. Wait, what does that mean, very likely? What is his, what is, the, is he, is he doubtful? Is that the term? There's, these are terms of art, I keep telling you. What is his uh, standing? Well, list? when I went to Roto World, they actually said that they didn't think he was going to play the rest of the year, but, mm-hmm. but he was not listed as being out for this game. All right, so is he listed as doubtful? It just seems weird when there's a term of art and you decide to use your own made-up phrase that he's very unlikely. Now, what would have been fair is to say, hey, he's listed as doubtful, but based on Roto World and attribute the person. Uh-oh, Steve's reading. All right, so Roto World just updated. So apparently his MRI came back negative on his shoulder, so that's good news. So well, it's bad news for you. It's bad news for me, so he might play. Week 15. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> I thought he was very unlikely. This guy. It's always like the heavens are really. The latest is he's on the good side of questionable, according to John Gruden. And that completely now how does that compare... contradicts to what I read this morning. How does that compare to very unlikely? It's very different. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's good. And it was updated 350. Doesn't matter. I'm not, but that's the thing, Steve. I'm not asking you to have a perpetual update. Though I do think this, this is a good job for McKenzie. We can all submit any players that we think, you know, so just steady T.Y. Hilton, any players that we think are going to have an extra big impact on the game. And then right as the podcast is going on, he can time Okay, because, hey, it might be updating five minutes before. When we're two games before one of the games, he looks it up, writes it down as the game's coming in. He'll get his mic time. Hey, uh, uh, RJ, I got something uh, based upon Roto World. And then we'll have it. You got it, Faz? I got it. And I don't want to hear any other injury talk. Oh, any other injury talk. (laughs) Sound like Steve Cofield. Any other injury talk that doesn't use the terms of art. Do you know what they are? Doubtful. Questionable. Exactly. Go get him on a list, write him on your hand, because otherwise you're just putting yourself out on a limb for no reason. And then if you do have a strong opinion, explain why. All right. Now the question becomes, do we grab the first? Has the line moved? Six and a half now. It was no six more six. Yeah, there, there were some sixes this, earlier today. Now it's all six and a half. What's the first? Is the first half out? That's fire on this first half right now. People was asleep. Him squinting. We got to get that Fezzik cam. Oh, my. Minus three, minus 19. Is that a good number? Yes. Very good for a six and a half. I'll take a dime. You want anything, Brian? Yep, I'll take some. What, what can you get? What can you get? Fez, uh, I might take more. So get down what you can get down. Let me shop at a couple other places. All right. Well, I don't know. We don't want to overweight. All right. We got down for a. Let's just say this. I like this. Just first half beyond the logic of the energy of the Raiders crowd because we got such a good conversion number. I mean, three minus 19 is like would be if it's six. Exactly. And that actually is attractive if it was six in the line, six and a half. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I Part of me thinks we'd want the whole game, too, because 
what has Jacksonville, what's been the main complaint with Jacksonville has been? That they've quit when they've gotten down by 14 or more points. So in a weird way, you don't get a chance for them to sit down, but you know, or lay down. But you know something? The Super Bowl, what happens? Teams get tired in the second half. Do you think the Raiders potentially get tired in the second half from all the emotion around the first half? Mm. Right? Because Mm -hmm. in theory, this is such a good play in the first half because of all that emotion. But what happens in the fourth quarter? Maybe you're tired. I like when you handicap emotion to get at it early. I do. Yeah, I agree with you. And we got a good number. Next, oh, we skipped the Steelers. I was trying to, I didn't want Fez to have to answer. Someone has to answer for Santino. <laughs> Fez, you used that to this week. I like that. Steelers, two and a half against Buffalo. It's saying, now this is interesting, Fez. You got two and a half here as a super contest, but earlier today you had the market at one and a half. So what is the market? I want to see how much they're shading. Brad, why don't you start the game? I'm going with the under here. Just a lean, though, for me. And... You know, it's a very low total. One of the lowest totals we've seen in the NFL in the last five years. In fact, there's only been three totals at 36.5 or lower in the last five years. Two of them already this season have been Buffalo games, and both of those games went under the total. I, I just I think we could get a, a more attractive number later in the week. It's a Sunday night game. It's isolated, so I'm going to hold out for a relatively key 37 because the public's going to get involved, and they're certainly not going to want to bet under 36.5 points. I'm leaning under here. One other like. I don't like betting such low totals. Pretty much. <laughs> but historically, they do well. They do. What do you think of the total? I like the under. It is a like, and I think this is an example of the odds makers. They have corridors that they deal totals, and I firmly believe, and the same thing with the betters, that the lowest they're going to deal an NFL total is just below 37. The highest, pretty much 55. That's the corridor they try to stay within. So they're looking at this game. They're like, eh, it's an under. We'll make it 36 and a half, and no one bets it. But if you actually look in terms of the disparity between the offenses and the defenses, and I'll just quote football outsiders here, both Buffalo and Pittsburgh. He starts attributing that. Both Buffalo and Pittsburgh have top five defenses. I don't think anyone would argue with that. If you look at the offenses, Buffalo's only number 22. So that's a little surprising they're that low. Pittsburgh's number 30. So if I've got two top five defenses and two bottom 10 offenses, I think it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. What are both teams going to say? Hey, as long as we don't screw it up, turn the ball over, take care of the ball, let the defense win the game, I like the under. Steve Fezzik likes the under. (laughs) See how it could be too much? Yeah. Fez, is there any 37s out there? I like the under, too, and here's why. I think Pitt, everything you guys said, Fez said a little better. but Oh, yeah, he did. He was good on that one. But what I would say is this. Pittsburgh has a very young defense. For a long time, they had an old defense. They have very fast linebackers. I think they're the kind of team that is going to cause Buffalo trouble, right? Because if Josh Allen can't run, mm. they do not do particularly well. And I also think as much as the Duck – might be energizing the Steelers team. And the Duck did pretty well. How many times did the Duck pass? Fly. I think 16. When does that happen in the NFL today? (laughs) It doesn't. Now, I heard today, and I'm just going to use the term of art, Connors is playing. (laughs) And Juju's playing, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if that affects things. 
Did I hear that right, Mackenzie? Yeah, I heard the same report. Let me, want me to double check? Yeah, do so. So, Steve, let's assume that's true. Does it concern you? No, because James Conner is not the type of back that's going to break it for a touchdown. So I, I think he's a slight upgrade over Samuels. But in theory, it allows him. I mean, that's the, the paradox with running the ball. Being able to run the ball, if you could come in with the under and say, I can guarantee they're going to have, God says, 3.0 yards a rush. Or you can have 3.7. I take 3.7 because they end up running the ball more. It's a great point. Yeah. The kind of the sweet spot is like right around four, right? A consistent four is fantastic four, four for the under. if you have a desire to run. Yep. Yes. If you don't have a, a, a desire to run, I think you'd want it lower because four is average. You right. wanna, if you have the under, you don't want average. And then there's guys like Fournette that will average four. He had one game where he got 66 yards on one carry and nothing on his other 15 carries. He's a disaster to the under, but I think James Conner is much more of a low-variance running back. Because you're saying his one or two yards causes him to have to throw. The clock's not right. Okay. Uh, I I wouldn't mind. I I would not mind Connor playing and Juju not playing. I think Juju yeah. doesn't help the under at all. Not at all. But maybe we let this thing get up to thirty-seven and a half. And we've got asymmetrical risk here, which is your term that I've stolen many it's a, times. It's a hedge fund. I, 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 I love the term. And the idea is that if you play under 36 and a half or if you play under 35 and a half, let's say it starts to crash, there's some weather. No big deal. 36 is such an unlikely number. It lands only about 1.8% of the time. But 37 in the NFL lands almost 5% of the time. It's such a critical number to get that you want to wait for it. So says Steve Fazek. That 5% number, though, that's old school shit there, right? Meaning back in the day, the, the, the same or the most common totals were 30 in NFL 37-44, correct? 41. 37-44. Look, it'd be interesting. Let's hmm. look in the 90s. We'll just take the 90s. But either way, it's that's two of the three at minimum. But... What percentage of games end 37 when the average total is 47 these days? Oh, much less. Yeah, but you just said 5%. Is that a new number or an old number? Well, the old number is applicable because what does it matter that in the new NFL that 37 doesn't land nearly as often? That's because so many uh, of these games go okay, flying Okay, then, then that's a different thing. Is Are you saying, because this is where people mix up on three, are you saying if the total's around 37, it lands 37, or are you saying of all NFL games, a certain percentage land 37? The former. Okay. So if the total is around 37. Yes. All right. I accept that then. Side. Line again is saying, oh, you got something? Yes. David Lally, beat reporter for Pittsburgh, says they were both full participants today at practice. Uh, James Conner and Juju Smooth. Juju Smooth. Now, what's interesting is he had such delight. His voice was so, McKenzie's was up. He was happy because he was really cracking up. He was trolling you right there, Faz. In his mind, he was saying, Oh, come on. That didn't sound like you ever, right? You're always like, oh, yeah. you're all worried and nervous. And then you, he went into, like, performance mode, right or wrong? I was pretty confident I was doing it the right way based on what you told Fezzik. Exactly. And he goes, and as reported on, on Twitter by David Floyd, yeah. you know, it's like, I love it. I love it. Competition. You, know, you asked for a quick market update in terms of what's being dealt right now. The market is two. Pittsburgh's minus two. But what's interesting is that Pinnacle, one of the sharpest books in the world, has it at one and a half. Many of the Vegas shops have this Pittsburgh minus two and a half. What's the Vega pin? Is it flat Vega? Minus a dollar ten. Well, that's five cents up. So it's really effectively two. Yeah, that's a good point. 
All right, next game. We did Oakland already. We got one, two, three, four, five left. Arizona, Cleveland. Brad, you had, why don't you start? You had some stuff here I, I hadn't heard anywhere. Yeah, lean Cleveland for me. And, and I think there's a motivation here specifically for the quarterback for Cleveland Baker Mayfield. Keep in mind, you got to go back to the college days here for motivation for Mayfield, who, like me, because I can relate to it, holds some stuff in, some past grudges several years later. So what happened several years ago? Decades? Oh, decades with me. Easy, easy. Yeah, we're, we're on 20. And, and counting. Yeah, yeah, we're 20, 25 years on a couple things <laughs> already. Mayfield. You, after- hear, you hear that, Mrs. Powers? <laughs> yeah, there won't be one. I was talking about your mom. Oh, uh, fair enough. Now, you go back to Mayfield's freshman season at Texas Tech. Who's his head coach at the time? It's Cliff Kingsbury. What happened that freshman season for Baker Mayfield? He gets named the Big 12 Freshman of the Year. So you would think after being your starting quarterback, it was like seven, eight games because of injury, and being named the Big 12 Freshman of the Year, you think Cliff Kingsbury has a scholarship for old Baker Mayfield? Nope, he doesn't. In Kingsbury's defense, you know who was waiting in the wings to take over as a starting quarterback for Texas Tech? A guy by the name of Patrick Mahomes. So I get it that he was going with Patrick Mahomes over Baker Mayfield. Baker didn't like that. So what does Baker do? He goes and transfers to Oklahoma on the rest of his history there, ends up winning the Heisman Trophy. Baker still has a grudge, in my opinion, against Kingsbury. And if he can put it one to the old coach, he will. On top of it, a little bit lesser here. Steve Wilkes is the new D.C. for Cleveland this year. He was fired after only one year from the Cardinals. Normally, I want nothing to do with Cleveland as a road favorite. But because of the motivation and because of the trend line for this Arizona offense, is unbelievably bad. First six games, this is an offense that, if you just stack rank at yards per game, was in the top 10 of the NFL. Last seven games for the Arizona offense, they're averaging 279 yards per game. That's bottom three. Top 10 to bottom three offensively. Trend line's not good. Add it all up, lean Cleveland for me, Fez. You know, what's interesting is one of the hitman's bigger bets was on Kyler Murray, over 3,200 pass yards, and he's going to win it as long as Murray stays upright. Yeah. But he's probably going to win it like late in week 16 or actually in week 17, and it looked like he was going to cash by week 14. You bring up great points about why we should bet Cleveland, but I can't ignore the schedule situation here, Brad, and i got to pass this game. It's Arizona's final home game, and what are they staring at week 16 and 17? At Seattle and at the Rams. So I expect an all-in effort by Arizona and the last realistic chance for a win. And Cleveland, it's a double division sandwich spot. They played at Pittsburgh. They played Cincinnati. And then who do they have after this game? They finish against Baltimore and Cincinnati again. And because of that, what's the one game they could easily overlook? I could see Cleveland overlooking this game in the desert against Arizona with a coach that, frankly, is not buttoned up at all Mm. and may not have his team ready to go. Good point. So you are passing? I'm passing. I'm leaning Cleveland again. Coach might not be buttoned up, but one guy who I think has distractions from week to week, Baker Mayfield, I do think he's buttoned up. That's why I lean with the Browns here. We're going to move along here to the next game. Going Atlanta, San Francisco. We're staying out west. Right now, the Westgate line shading towards the underdog here. San Francisco, a 10.5-point home favorite. I'm going to lead this off as best bet for me is on Atlanta here. And it's quite simple for me. 
I think this is the biggest flat spot in the NFL this season. Here's the 49ers schedule. Last three games, Green Bay. Big primetime Sunday night football game. Huge effort for Sam Fran. Then they fly across the country, play a really good game against Baltimore, give Baltimore their best game since Baltimore be kind of be, became the best team in the NFL the last eight, nine games of the season. And then last week, in what people are calling the game of the year, trading scores back and forth, back and forth, all game long, team that has the ball last wins, that team being San Francisco. San Francisco beats New Orleans. Three big-time performances in a row that they're coming off of. And, oh, yeah, what's on deck for them? <laughs> Two really big division games for the 49ers, the Rams and Seattle. Because of that flat spot, I like Atlanta, who's very capable of getting a backdoor here, who hasn't quit on the season. Give me the Falcons' best bet for me, plus 10.5. And, and not only is that a really bad spot for the 49ers, the 49ers are really banged up after that war against New Orleans. Their center, Richburg, out for the year on offense. And look at these defensive injuries. Richard Sherman, shut down corner, likely out two-plus weeks, according to the coach Shanahan. Defensive line, D. Ford, likely out three weeks. They've got other injuries on defense as well. So the 49ers are a team that suffered some really significant injuries in that win against the Saints. I like Atlanta as well. Now, did I step into a time machine? Richard Sherman is a shutdown corner? Yeah, he's done really well. In 2019? Yeah, his numbers have been good. What numbers? I was reading up about, I'm trying to think what site it was from, that he's, he's had a very good year. But what numbers? I don't have them in front of me. But what like what numbers? I'm not saying quote the exact numbers. Like, how do you judge how a cornerback's doing? It, other than pro football focus. Just, it was somebody else. It was success rate against, like, throwing against him. Okay. All right. No, I'm not saying he hasn't had a – but you know what a shutdown corner is, right? It's that you he goes one-on-one, man-to-man against you – know, the theory is whoever he goes against, but often the best receiver. But sometimes they'll bracket and double-team the one. So is he a shutdown corner or, let's say, a revitalized? Revitalized is a better word, yes. All right. It's just, you know, if you're going to use an extra adjective, why not just make it accurate? Yes. What do you think, Brad? Best bet for me is Atlanta here. I'm trying to find the rankings on PFF. Well, give your pick, and, we'll, and then we'll do it. Oh, I gave it. Atlanta, oh, baby. Yeah. I went and had a soda. All right. I don't want to eat in front of anyone here. The whole internet will go crazy. <laughs> I guess I do have a lot of proximity on my mic, so I can understand it, right? <laughs> or we could have fake Fezzi come back in his real voice. Ooh. Next game. Oh, you got it? No, I can't find uh, it. Next game. This is Fezzix. He's had a great show, so we don't have to hold back here. This is the squarest take in the history of, remember in Donnie Brasco? <laughs> he goes, if you're a rat, I'm the biggest putz or something in the history of the mafia. How do you know it's a fugazi? Well, it's a fake. Yeah, I know what a fugazi is. Fez, I'm going to let you lead off, even though this is my best bet. I don't even need to debate this. This is my best bet. Yeah, I passed this game. No, Art. you didn't pass this game. You had to lean on the Rams. Right? You only allowed one pass. You had another pass earlier. One pass. So this is a lean Rams. 
All right, it's a lean round. <laughs> <laughs> and it was an overreaction I made to whoa, Dallas. Whoa, 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 whoa. Give, don't give the benefit of me breaking you down earlier. I want to hear what you thought coming in. All right, what I thought is that before I talked about how great the Dallas Cowboys stats were. Now, yards per play greater than uh, currently 1.3 for Dallas, number two in the NFL. And I talked about how those stats are going to equate to victories and that, that Dallas has just been unlucky. And then what happened? Dallas lost against the Chicago Bears. And I went digging. Why is Dallas 6-7 and seven with these stats of a team that should be 9-4 and four or 10-3? and three? And I overreacted to some of the things that I discovered, including the Cowboys are last in the NFL in special teams. Well, one of the reasons they're last in the league in special teams is because their kicker, Meyer, has missed 10 field goals this year. Well, he doesn't kick for Dallas no more because he got cut Monday and they brought in a replacement. So that alone is going to help fix the problems. And bottom line is, I on this game, I overreacted to the Dallas loss. I was square. I saw Dallas lose to the Bears, and I said, ah, I've had it with this team. I can't trust them, despite how good their stats are. Now, what's interesting is he finally got to the truth at the end when it became very narcissistic. He said, I got tired. It was like they offended him. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a, there, I don't diagnose people, Fez, but I'll make a special exception with you. <laughs> You, there is a, I don't, I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but there's a phenomenon where people literally have vendettas against objects, like a car will hit them, they'll hate the car. They are mm. so self-involved that they, they think the world rotates around them. Mm. Do you think that, do you think that's the case? Like, you're mad at the Cowboys. Yes. And you want to punish them. And the only way you know how is to hate them. I thought you were going to say punch them, and I was like, yes, I do want to <laughs> punch them. But you, <laughs> wow. You got to stop it because you should. uh, But, you know, one of the disciplines of you don't move teams more than one and a half points or whatever, you know, or half, you know, whatever the thresholds are. How much did you move Dallas last week? I moved him a point and a half. Okay. I still don't understand how that could have got you so whacked out that you thought somehow the Rams are like four points better. What do you think, Brian? I'm leaning with the Rams. And so you guys with two leans, the beauty is you can. I'll take some action. Love it. So we're talking about all these Dallas stats. So you I, like the Rams now? Yeah, I'll take the Rams. All these, you know, great stats for Dallas. Well, majority of them are coming in games when they're trailing in the fourth quarter. In fact, Dallas, if you look at points per game margin, fourth quarter plus five points per game, number one in the NFL. How does Dallas play the rest of the three quarters? So let me ask you a question. Fourth quarter can be the most important quarter. It certainly can. But in All right, lo- so th- why don't we look at their differential and their losses and their wins? And seems like that's important because the assumption is we have this recollection of the Green Bay game, one game out of 13. We have Chicago. A rec- yeah, we have a recollection of a handful of games. Okay. But it's, it's a tiny minority. Their stats aren't great against... Uh, as so far- you're changing... So this is the Fezzik, no. huh? Change the <laughs> I ahead. will look at it. No, we'll, we're looking at it yeah. now. I obviously the stat that matters ATS margin against winning teams and last I checked the Rams are 0 and 5 for the Cowboys are falling short of expectations by eight points per game. Whoa, 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 hold on a second. Winning teams this season? Winning teams this season. How many games did they play? 0 and 5. Okay. So 
0-5 this season. We know that, I mean, it's like you, it's almost like we're saying, hey, we just saw them lose a couple games against winning teams. So, you know what, that would be interesting, how they're doing against winning teams. How'd they do last year against winning teams? I didn't query that. Do, do a quick query. Mackenzie, do me a favor. Pull up the game by game, or pull up our super secret sheet, and let's read the fourth quarter results. I want to see this. Because he might be right. If it ends up that they're, you know, the one quarter they're doing really well is because of the comebacks, then I'm going to be a little worried. I just don't know what it is. Fats, why don't you get like him and get some guts and say, I stick by your pick. Why don't you say that, yes, the Rams, because they won a couple of games, are now better than the Cowboys. Let's, let's think about the stats. What's, what's that stat you love? YPP. Let's let that guide us. Well, the Rams are plus .9. Dallas is plus 1.3. So that's not going to land us on the Rams. So .4 is usually how much a jo- I mean, like, how would you characterize that? Like, uh, the different mm. – let's say if one team's 8-8. Eight and eight, If another team's plus .4, are they 9-7 and seven or 10-6? and six? Yeah, they'd be 9-7 and seven because – So that's one increment. You're yeah. freaking nuts. No, because the best team – You're nuts. RJ, the best teams are like plus 1.6, and those are like 12-4 and four types of – Type of maybe thirteen and three, so maybe it's maybe point three might be worth a, a win. Okay, so we're right. saying like moving towards a win and a half. Yeah. All right. So what we're saying is Dallas should be favored, and Dallas you have as a lesser home field. I'm not sure I agree. I know they don't have a great favorites role. Boy, when Brad keeps digging, you know he doesn't have it. What are you trying to – are you just keep going back year by year to see if you can find some group of years? Have you, have you resorted to saying let's eliminate last year for some convoluted reason? No. So what have you found? Maybe don't worry about being right. Worry about getting the right answer. Look at him. He's still typing. Uh-huh. All right. So here's the question. What does the yards per play say that the Cowboys should be favored by? If you just do some estimates. On a neutral? No, no. I, I want in Dallas. Minus four and a half. Okay. And what's the line? The line is Peckham. No, it's not. Wrong. So, plus wrong, one. Wrong, Dallas plus one. Okay. So you're saying the line's off by five and a half points. When's the last time a line was off by five and a half points in the NFL? Never. But you like the other side. You like the side that's saying, oh, yes, those five and a half, and give me a couple more points so it's enough for me to like. Or, or lean. Yeah. The, right. the, uh, Brad, you got anything? They had a winning record against winning teams last year, four and three. Okay. It took you that long to come up with that? I forgot a, a semicolon. All right. all right, all right. So, four and three. I'm not saying it, that, that there's not something to this this year. And I'll be honest, I don't think this team necessarily is the best team to bounce back. Meaning, there's a, Jerry Jones, there's a lot of pressure. Now, sometimes the pressure can add intensity, focus. Yeah. Sometimes it's disruptive. Did Dallas play the Rams in the last year, under McVay at all? A divisional game playoff last year, thirty to twenty-two Rams. Considering how good the teams were, that, that did Dallas cover? I think the line was right around seven to eight. Yeah. Okay. It was seven. Rams covered by a point. I tell you this: the fact that he didn't run them out is to me. I mean, like Garrett, or or let's be honest, Garrett's not an elite coach. Yeah. Dallas did score last. Oh wow! There you go. Yeah. Well, now if they score last, <laughs> if they score last this I time, I shut my mouth. <laughs> Damn. Now, Mackenzie, did we get a look see at these quarters? Yeah. Uh, so they had uh, plus ten against the Packers when they were coming back. Mm-hmm. Plus ten against the Jets when they were coming back. They got close in that one. 
Um, well, first off, that's a legit. The only ones that don't aren't legit. In fact, the plus ten against the Jets is a great number. It's when you're down late in the game and you almost win, and it wasn't some monster comeback. Right. So they they had two where they were uh, losing by a lot. That was the Packers, like I just said, and the Bears last week. And how much was the Bears margin? Plus ten. All right. So you're saying twenty points of the margin comes from those two games. Yes. And there's thirteen games played. Yes. So sixty-five points that they are plus in the fourth, and twenty of them comes from those two games. Brad, any comment? Yeah, I may be overreacting. All right, but I'm happy you bat me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Minnesota Chargers, double like here. Let's start with Brad. I like the Chargers here. Here's a team that I think it's one of the better five and eight teams we've ever seen. Why? <laughs> Chargers plus 38 points on the season, and they're plus 71 yards per game. So why are they sitting at 5-8? and eight? Chargers are 2-8 and eight in games decided by 7 points or less. All right, so you're saying the stats matter. Yeah. It doesn't. Oof. In this case. Go ahead. I'm following. Yeah, fair enough. Here's why it's not a like-like, though. Coaching mismatch here with Zimmer. 41-18 and 18 against the spread in non-division games. Against one of the reasons I think... The Chargers are bad in close games. It's because of their head coach. So just a like on the Chargers for me. And obviously, I don't want to steal everyone's thunder. The Kirk Cousins is not a 1 o'clock start time here. All right. And as we said about it, uh, it covers a third of the time in yep. his career. Pregame.com. Jonas Knox from Fox Sports gave us the idea on an article he read. Mackenzie did the work. Two-thirds of the time covers at 1 o'clock. Fez, you also like the Chargers. Yeah, McKenzie did a little um, additional research for me on this one on grass. Not a 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time start. Cousins even worse, 5-14-1, and 14 and 1, straight up 6-13-1. Let's, let's be clear, that grass work is mine. That's yours, yes. Yeah, yes. Uh, the Chargers, not only do they have these really good stats. Did the grass shipment come in? Oh, wait. Yes. <laughs> uh, the Chargers have gotten a whole lot healthier. What's been the narrative all year long on the Chargers? Oh, they're not healthy. Well, they're healthy now, and on defense specifically, their safeties where they had cluster injuries all year long, Derwin James and Phillips have both returned, and on offense with Melvin Gordon, he's been back for a long time, Hunter Henry's been back for a while, and now Russell Okun, their best lineman, is back. So the Chargers finally are at close to full strength. I agree. Numbers are what matter, not but scoreboards for losers. Take Fezzik out. What do you think? Oh, I like the dog. Oh, that? Yeah, just the whole thing. I'm gonna get. I I gotta refine the voices. Yeah, refine the voices. I think there's a there's. I like the voice of God thing. There's a really good what Matt was saying. There's a good devil voice that's really good. Oh, I can be Fez when he's like, um, like when we do the Ric Flair drop sometimes, like the me, or it could be me, me, me. There's yeah. all kind of things going on. I'm confused, Fez. What's the home field advantage for the Chargers? One and a half. Okay, so this line's Minnesota two and a half. So it's saying Minnesota's four points better. Yes. And you're saying, no, no way they're four points better. I only have them one and a half better, Minnesota. Than the Chargers? Yes. You're freaking crazy. Possibly we, so. Where do you have the Chargers rank? Got the Chargers number 12 in the league, one and a half points better than an average team. And you got the Vikings? Number seven in the league, three points better than an average team. So if the game were in Minnesota... You would think the fair line would be four and a half. Well, five because Minnesota's right. got three and a half. Five. And you'd be like, give me the Charger. 
I would make a bet so freaking big, one o'clock start at five. Wow. And what? how's the Chargers stats compared to the Cowboys and the Rams? Mm-hmm. Chargers are plus 0.8 yards per play, so just slightly worse than the Rams, uh-huh. not as good as the Cowboys. Okay. So somehow, some way, I mean, you do see how this is starting to become insane, right? Well, the Chargers, though, are way healthier than they've been all year long, so the fundamental makeup of this but team is so con- far improved compared to the, the bulk of the work. You were naming, like, a guy that held out. Gordon was on your list. Like, Gordon came in, like, in game two, wasn't it? Yeah, three. Yeah, I know. He came back like week six. No, that's incorrect. Mm, I'll look him up. No, no, please. Just answer these questions. Who else is on this precious list of you? Tight end Hunter, Hunter Henry. Okay. When did he come back? Middle of the year. All right. How have they done since? They lost three games in a row, three straight games oh, that they won remember the stats. Now, but remember lost. now, Tennessee, we have to find a way that both Tennessee looked good in that game and the Chargers look good. You see how confusing that is? <laughs> and what other game? I mean, like, I don't get it. Don't you think that where's this coach rank? One to 32. 31. You think that might have something to do with them losing close games? Yes. And do you think that Rivers is back next year? No. You think that might be problematic? Yes. And Rivers is clearly, and we've talked about this, he's a major concern. He's not playing well, and he's playing but somehow, in the fourth quarter. But somehow, Cousins today is better than Rivers, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and some people believe that Minnesota, other than quarterback, has the best roster in football. Yes. So I'm confused how these teams could be so close. Minnesota has the better quarterback and the better roster. And the better coach times 10. Well, the better coach is is, is the reason I, I don't want to make a big bet on the Chargers. You just, whoa, 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 whoa. This is a double like. Brad Powers likes it. Steve Fezzik liked it. You only like five games. This was one of them. And the funny thing was, this wasn't on his original list, and he brought this one on because he had surged in confidence, right? Yes. I, this line seems crazy off to me. I'm just thinking home field. I mean, you're telling me if Chargers had a normal home field, this would be pick them? I mean, you know, just the point and a half or whatever. Yes. doesn't seem right. Only thing that stops me from pressing the button is four o'clock. I mean, that is a dominant stat. Last game, Monday night football. The Colts, T.Y. Hilton, week to week. <laughs> Charge or uh Saints, Saints Lane eight. Fez, you you're impressed with Breeze. Yeah, Breeze, the last four games has played extremely well. I know his QBR was through the roof in three of the four games. The one game that his QBR was average around 50, I watched the whole game, he had four passes dropped, including a touchdown pass, where he was very, very accurate. You know what we should do? It's 50 bucks if you talk about a, a, a game you bet when it's not a market-available line. We should make it 10 bucks every time he talks about draw, pa, individual passes in a game. I mean, that is all. That's going to be a lot. You're the only person I've ever heard. Brad, on all the analysis you've ever heard, this year, let's say, you've probably Brad heard passed. hundreds of hours, right? Yeah. Have you heard anyone else talk about individual pass plays where they were? No. I've heard people say interceptions were dropped. Like, they'll say, oh, he had two interceptions, you could have yeah. had four. I've never heard about individual pass plays. What? 
what, explain what you're doing there. You're saying somehow Breeze is really good, but that's not enough. He's better than that, right? Yeah, because he had one of his four games that he had mediocre. Aver- he had average stats. And when I watched the game, I'm like, what's going on? And I think that the stats were not um, – it gave him unfavorable rounding, if you will, because his receivers kept dropping balls. But under that theory, you'd have to look at all – of the plays to see, did they catch some balls they maybe weren't supposed to catch? And did it even out? Yeah, why watch? And, and are the Saints, let's say, below average at receiver? No. So in, you would think in the long run his season-long stats would be a fair representation of his skill. Yes. So why mention individual plays? Because it was so extreme in that one game. But that one game isn't what we're talking about. If we had sat there and said, I find this game to be problematic, you're talking about four or five games, right? Four-game stretch, yeah. So a couple of pass plays, how could they matter in the scheme of fair, all that? Fair enough. And probably in the other three games where his stats were so good, there was probably a couple spectacular catches that I'm not You think maybe, maybe, Michael? That- I don't hear from you. Wide well, receivers making spectacular catches. Listen, here's what you got to know about Faz. And I mean, it's really this simple. You might wonder why. Pay attention to me. Yeah, me. Nobody else, just me. Me, me, me. Me. <laughs> right? Yeah. Any other attention grabbing stunts? None. No. <laughs> Finish your handicap. Oh, uh, well. So I, the New Orleans injury issue is is a major concern. So their tight end, Jared Cook, he was one of the guys that dropped the pass, the key pass in the end zone. <laughs> the key pass. He's concussed. I don't know if he's going to play. I know they've got O-line cluster injuries. I think injuries. it's very, very unlikely. Yeah. They've got linebacker cluster injuries, and they've got defensive line cluster injuries. Their defensive end, Davenport, and the defensive is injured, and the defensive tackle, Rankins, is – I'm sorry, both those guys are confirmed out. How many takes would it take for him to get through that correctly, do you think? Let's try one more. We'll just keep going. Let's keep going. Take two. Really? Yeah, just try it. We'll see. All right, so we got O-line cluster injuries for New Orleans. Their center, Clap, and their tackle, Pete, are both out. They have linebacker. The Saints have client, linebacker <laughs> cluster injuries. All right, try it again. Alonso. Sorry, wait, stop, stop, stop. Try it again. Take three. New Orleans injury report is a mass unit. Their tight end, Jarrett Cook, is concussed. Their O-line, they have cluster injuries. Their center clap and their tackle, Pete, is out. Linebacker cluster injuries, Alonzo and Klein, are both questionable. Defensive line cluster injuries, these are new injuries. Defensive end, Davenport, and defensive tackle, Rankins, are both out. Yay! Why don't you stick to what you know? (laughs) I was impressed, man. Yeah. I, I certainly had the over-under above three. Brad, what do you got? I lean New Orleans. I'm a little bit worried with what that injury, especially since I heard it three times. And really, <laughs> The funny thing is the third time he said, didn't say different words. He used it, mash unit. He didn't use that. You yeah. think he would have stuck yeah. to the same thing. Yeah. Read what's on the script. <laughs> I got a worry here for the Colts going score for score with the Saints. And here's my worry is that Colts defense, each of the last two games, the Colts have had a lead in the second half. And what's happened to that defense? They've allowed the game's last 17 points in each of those last two games against the Bucks and also against the Titans. And last week, if it's not for Jameis Winston, the turnover machine, I mean, on the box, in the box score, where the stats matter, RJ, I mean, if I just looked at that box score, I would have said Tampa Bay won the game by two touchdowns, not have to rally and win by three. Yeah, but would you have, I mean, in all honesty, would you have looked at the turnovers? Yeah, I'd look at the turnovers. And do you still think that 
Tampa Bay should have won. I mean, that's the whole point, yeah. right? What were they minus two? Minus two, I think. And and what was it? I think it was three. Three. I think it was only two. Mackenzie, Tampa Bay turnover margin last game. We got three people on this. Let's see who gets it first. I think they might know. I tell you this: no one can say that we're we have too much. What? No one can say we have too much varnish. No wonder I do all the talking on the radio show. Imagine this on radio. Three. They were plus three or had three turnovers? Tampa Bay had four turnovers. Oh, wow. Their opponent only won. Yeah. So, I mean, historically, if it's plus three, I mean, we know it's way it's moving towards 90% that you win the game in college. That's a negative for the Colts, the fact that you're right. plus three turnovers. But what I'm saying is that you said, unless I'm mistaken, yeah. I thought I heard you say, and maybe I got it wrong. I thought I heard you say Tampa should have been winning by 14. Yeah, I did say that. Thus, I'm saying, well, yeah, everything but the turnovers. Yeah, yeah. So the fact that it was a close game made sense. Yes. yes. If anything, that hurts the, the Colts, though, the idea that they had plus three turnovers and they still couldn't win the yes, game. Yes, I agree with that. And one of their turnovers was a Darius Leonard 80-yard interception return touchdown. So not just a turnover, but an 80-yard pick six. Now, the key question is, was there any drop passes in the game that really swung things? None. Okay, I'm staying with the Cowboys because for me, the Raiders, you know, that's interesting. Now, well, we're laying six and a half anyway in the contest. It's not like we're getting any value. But I bet that could touch seven because everyone's not up and on it right now. I mean, it's almost a 10P long pod. Um, the only other ones for me that would even be a possibility, Tennessee, but we have a real disagreement there. But I guess you're off your side. I don't know. Houston for you. Oh, yeah, the Tennessee game. Yeah, Houston. Yeah, good point. So Houston, for me, the real choices are Houston. I love Dallas. Unless you guys re- – in fact, Brad doesn't really have a veto. So, Fez, unless you want to bet me a, a thou, a dime, two nickels, I'm going to go with Dallas. What I, do you think? I like it. You don't like it. But you don't want to bet me. I like no. I like the points you made about Dallas. I thought it was very strong. Now your like likes after all the talking are Washington mm-hmm. and Miami, and I want to go. I want to go Miami. So you feel strongly on Miami? Yes. And one of the things I didn't think I don't know if I mentioned it the fact Miami lost twenty two twenty one last week, and RJ they kicked seven. Miami did seven field goals and no mm. touchdowns. So think about that. You get it. You get it into scoring position seven times. You should score a few touchdowns. And if they had, they would have won outright. And if they would have won outright against the Jets, they would never have been getting three and a half at the Giants. And if anything, maybe just maybe it frees them up, like Washington losing a close game, to not worry about their draft position as much. Hey, we get another win. It's not the end of the world. They win. Last week, maybe they start worrying, shoot, we might get to 10 or something. I don't know, you know. Mm-hmm. So I see I, I see your point. And I agree with you. Of all the ways, failure in the red zone is one of the ways a team can have a deceivingly bad game where the stats say one thing. And that's something we saw with the Cowboys. The red zone isn't great. And it probably speaks to Garrett. And their first quarter... And third quarter's not great. That speaks to coaching adjustments or script at the beginning. 
I know Garrison a great coach, but though he's the coach who put up those numbers. He's the coach who put up the stats. Now, Brad, this seems to all work because you guys have a couple double likes, and one of them is Washington. So if he takes Miami and you take Washington, so what would have been, forget anyone else, what's the games you like best right now? Uh, Atlanta, Miami, New England, and Washington. So there's four you like. Yep. I, I'm not as high on Washington. You know, walking through that handicap, All right. All right, so put the that Haskins out. thing has me concerned. And you like Atlanta, too. Yeah, that was a double like. And the, and and what's the contest? Ten and a half? Ten and a half. And yes. it's 11 market? Yeah. No big deal. <laughs> so you would say that it, I, we don't want New England. There's some real questions. I agree. Marks I agree. And we don't want to lay the lumber, right? So what's left is, if you take out Washington... Is Atlanta or whom? The Chargers were my other like. Well, that's not going anywhere. I agree. You're my thing. Oof. All right. So let's make it official. Steve Fezzik? Miami plus three and a half. Brad Power. Atlanta plus ten and a half. RJ Bell with the anti-square, the square killer bat. Yes, the Dallas Cowboys, ironically. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for R.J.? You can contact him directly on Twitter at R.J. in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.